Hey everybody, welcome to episode 131 of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. This very special episode is an interview episode with our new friend, Becca Bybee, who is a youth minister in Huntsville, Alabama. She is fun, exciting, honest, energetic, and has some things to share with you as both a relatively new youth minister and also one who is serving in her home church. Yes, mm, the fascinating cross-sections, and also one of the funnier stories of what it looks like to be a youth minister in the real uh, in front of your students on the audition of becoming the youth minister at a church. I hope you enjoy this interview. If you haven't had a chance to check out this interview and other resources like it, then visit youthministrybooster.com, the membership community for youth ministers who want to get connected to a mastermind or join in all the cool things we've got going on for youth ministers who are wanting to grow, know more, and be boosted in youth ministry. Uh, this is our first for us in the next few weeks is we're going to tackle some things related to summer because it's after Easter, which means it's before summer. So welcome to the new youth ministry season of post-Easter pre-summer. And we kick it off this week with a fun interview with our new friend all the way from Huntsville, Becca Bybee. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting interview episode on the Youth Ministry Booster podcast. Coming to you all the way from Alabama is our new friend, Becca Bybee. Becca, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I'm like out of the Easter fog and ready to work. <laughs> Which is the good place to be, right? Like I feel like sometimes we get caught in that like spring into Easter and then now here we are like springing into summer and it's just, it's like we live seasonally as youth ministers, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's for, it's from so, one to the next. So how did Easter yeah. go for you? How was Easter this year? It was a little nuts, but it was good. Everything, you know, we've celebrated the resurrection and nothing caught on fire and I liked it. I got a really good nap afterwards yeah. too. <laughs> the most like the most delicious Sunday afternoon app nap is the Sunday after Easter celebration morning. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's uh, that's what we're there for. <laughs> Jesus it's Jesus so has good. risen and we have fallen back asleep and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> that's that's life on church staff. Well, well Becca, tell tell our friends a little bit. Uh, you're out serving in Alabama. How long have you been there? Where are you? How's it going? going um and then maybe even a little bit like why in the world are you serving in youth ministry uh especially especially i'm, per, I'm sure you asked yourself that in seasons like easter where oh, it's absolutely. just nonstop, 80 hours a week like what are we doing here and where are we doing it um so i am from huntsville alabama which is where nasa is we are a town primarily of engineers which if you've ever been to a church full of engineers it is a really weird situation where um, just kind of everyone is asking me super intense questions and nothing you do is ever not picked apart, if okay. that makes sense. You have to communicate very specifically to engineers. Um, so Huntsville, Alabama, town of engineers. Um, I'm actually serving at my home church, which I started this job two years ago in June. So I'm almost at my two-year mark. Okay. Um I first started in youth ministry through a program called the Center for Youth Ministry Training, which is a seminary program where you get a master's in youth ministry and practical stuff because you're serving at a church at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, A little both and, all yeah. For, little both and, all for free. And so I was placed in a very small church in Huntsville because they knew it was my hometown and they had had problems with um, people being able to find community in that church before. So they were like, she is from Huntsville. She'll be able to make friends here, which was not necessarily true, but that's okay. Um, so after my three years in CYMT, my youth minister at my 
current church, Trinity, who is also my CYMT coach, because there's a lot of overlap, um, was transitioning to young adults and discipleship ministries at a very good time for me because I could interview and get this position, which I did interview. It wasn't just given to me. And and now I'm in a youth group, about 160 active kids. Um, It's a really interesting place to be, to be working in your home church because everything is familiar and wonderful and great, but you also know all of like the the deep, dirty sides of what church life is <laughs> you like. Years and years of history with some of the people who are not only volunteers and stakeholders, but maybe even some of the parents as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like my um, associate's name is Amanda and she has three kids that are currently in the youth ministry. But when I was in high school, I was their summer babysitter. Okay. So we have this super interesting relationship where not only was she like one of my main spiritual influences in high school and middle school but also she was at one point my boss and now i am her boss and it's just like all these layers of super interesting things okay it's a lots lots of uh relational complications in huntsville (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah good relational complications but relational complications nonetheless i oftentimes go out to dinner with people and people are like how do you know this many people i'm like ah just don't worry about it because like Time. <laughs> Time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Would you maybe say a little bit like that's part of your, of your call? Do you feel like you grew up in a really um, kind of wonderful and loving youth ministry? Or was there something about your time there that really helped to kind of shape you, uh, lean you towards youth ministry? Like, like why in the world youth ministry? And especially to come full circle back home, like either that's like like the dream or it's also like what's going on there? <laughs> Oh, it's both of those things. Um, So my youth ministry, I was lucky to have a fantastic, fantastic youth ministry experience. Um, My youth pastor, Tony Akers, who is fantastic, um, was very important in my life. His family was very important in my life. They kind of took me in and and loved me and raised me. And my junior year of high school, we had something happen in the youth ministry where our worship leader was allegedly involved in some sort of terrible things with the teenager, which was really formative and really important for us. And that was the first time that I had ever seen a community like surround each other and become um, family in a lot of ways and be like in a complete support system for people. So I oftentimes look back to that time and like think that it was super important for me. And I, I think a lot about why I'm in youth ministry. And the thing that I, that gets me every time is like, this is where I feel that I am doing the most important thing that I can do, Mm. or that I am like the most, the most whole is working with teenagers. Um, Don't get me wrong. It's like terrible. Sometimes (laughs) I really thought that when I said my call, my call story was God chasing me for years. Mm. And I really thought that when I finally said yes to God, like it would be this magical fairy tale and it was not, but there, there are fantastic times where your heart is just where it's supposed to be. And there are also these times that are terrible, but your heart is somewhere still where you're supposed to be in my Mm. experience. That's wonderful. Well, is that, um, so one of the questions we often ask is like, was there a particular moment that helped solidify that for you? Like there was like a thing that happened. Uh, maybe it was like defining or hilarious or like you saw God at work and you were like, yep, this is why we do it. And I will always hold on to this. So um, 
the like quintessential youth ministry story happened my my first. So I interned for four years, three years. I interned for three years at my current church where I'm working now before entering into CYMT. And there was one summer that I was about to transition to my CYMT church and they, while still working at Trinity, my home church, and my CYMT church offered for me to go on a trip with the outgoing youth minister in their youth group kind of before I started working there. So it was a fantastic, like, get to know you, we'll hold your hand, but like, you're not in charge of this trip thing. And it was this also like, we're going to watch you and see who you are. So it was this weird moment of like pressure and (laughs) auditioning stuff and one trip. I probably shouldn't have said yes to it, but that's okay. And so we were working in Appalachia on an ASP trip in a house trailer. And this guy comes walking up to the house trailer and says, hey, can you help me push my car help me push my car down this hill so I could pop the clutch basically okay. and like get the car started. Yeah. And so I was not in charge, right? Like I am not in charge and I have these two other adults and I'm like, well, clearly they know more things than I right. do. Cause they're we'll let them decide. Yeah. We'll let them decide. And so that was fine ish, but they insisted on popping the clutch going down a hill, and this is in like the haulers of Kentucky, so they're really steep hills with tiny yeah. roads and stuff. He insisted on doing it backwards, like going backwards in his car down the hill. And we were like, we can turn the car around. Like it's a real little car. We yeah. can kind of move it around. And we asked him three times and he said no. And um, so we get the kids. The kids are like, what are we doing? And we're like, okay, we're just going to help this guy. He goes backwards down the hill and then, of course, steers himself off of the hill because that that was what was always going to happen. He was always going to steer himself off of the hill. And so I said several curse words in front of these new these new kids. And like we went down. He was totally fine. Like it was an amazing miracle that he was fine. (laughs) This guy was totally fine. It looked like a guy like falling off of a cliff in his car, basically. And so I just remember being like, well, welcome to youth ministry. This is what happens sometimes. (laughs) And that was like my introduction to kind of what youth ministry was. And in my own life, I remember being like, I'm about to fall off a hill myself and Mm. say yes to this. And like, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm just going to trust that God is faithful and God (laughs) will bring me through this. So that's always my like, well, here it is, story. Oh my gosh. So on a mission trip, a random stranger almost kills themselves, and then you get to be fully human with the students that, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It. that's it. And we get to like debrief, like, where was God in that moment? Right. <laughs> it's this like super surreal thing. I don't know. I went to my first like CYMT gathering and I was talking to people and they were like, well, what's a funny youth ministry story? And I told them that. And pretty soon I had like the entire group standing around me, like like, with their jaws open being like, this is nuts that this just happened to you. (laughs) Only in the hollers. (laughs) Only in the hollers of Kentucky. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, that's, that's a really, and again, everything worked out for the guy and makes a great story. Everything was fine. 
for any time that you want to talk about youth ministry. <laughs> was there ever, though, uh, maybe like a story or a time or a night that you maybe almost wanted to quit? Because I feel like for every like funny story or good story, oh, yeah. like the youth ministry roller coaster that is both relational and spiritual and theological is is the ups and the downs. Like, was there mm-hmm. what was the time for you that you're like, nope, we're done. Here's my keys. Like, I, I'm, I'm really considering quitting this and heading off somewhere else. Um, so my motto that I kind of tell myself a lot of times is that joy comes in the morning just because, you know, you're like neck deep in someone else's brokenness and like, it's up to your forehead and you just feel like, how did I get here a lot of times? And so the one time that I remember that like clearly comes to my head is I was on this, I was on my first vacation in two years to visit some of my friends out in uh, California. And it was my first day there. We had gotten off the plane. We were getting lunch and I get a phone call from a dad saying that um, he and his wife, who are like two cornerstone volunteers of the youth ministry, he and his wife were getting a divorce, like very out of the blue, getting a divorce. And they wanted me to be there that night to tell their kids with them. And I was like, well, I'm in California. And I started researching like planes back real fast. Mm -hmm. And then I had to stop myself and be like, no, you can't take a plane back. Like, that's not what you do. And so I spent a week with these friends who I thought was going to be like soul giving and life giving. And I spent it in this like anguish and Mm. guilt that I was not there with those kids and that they were going through something that I couldn't help. And then I was like, well, why am I so guilty? Why am I taking part in this? This is crazy and nuts. Mm. Um, And I kind of, there was one, nine on that trip where I was like, I'm just done. Like, this is nuts. I need to be able to have my own life. Yeah. Um, and that stuff, it was kind of one of those dark nights of the souls that mm. they talk about. And then we went on a hike the next day. My, one of my friends and I did up the Hollywood Hills and God just reminded me like, Nope, this is where you're supposed to be. Mm. It's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to tri- quit every mission trip though <laughs> at some point <laughs> uh, the students are at their high peak of engagement and becca's thinking this is probably the last one no i love it no, like, that's no. true because it, it's it's a lot it's taxing and it's emptying and uh can drain you to the point where you feel like you have nothing left to give other than just to leave no that's it yeah and still i mean god's faithfulness is there but like you have to sometimes you have to look for that faithfulness and figure it out um it's a really interesting thing Okay, so so that okay, that's our next question. And so, okay. uh, one of the things we talk about a lot in youth ministry is the importance of soul care, self care. Mm-hmm. And so, maybe it's for you on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's the the morning. So instead of after nine p.m., maybe it's after nine a.m. Like, what what do you do to help take care of Becca after like a big youth ministry like exertion, whether that's youth group or mission trip? Like, how do you take care of you? Where do you go? What do you ask yourself? Like, where where is your like departure from like the big like happenings, gatherings, and like drainage? <laughs> Drainage. Well, recently I've had to set an alarm on my phone to go to the bathroom before youth group. And that's been like a big self-care thing for okay, me. Just to remind you, hey, really, don't forget yeah, to do this. Okay. Hey, you're ridiculous and you don't have time to like go to the bathroom. So do it beforehand. Okay. Um, and I was like, why did it take three, four years to like think of this? But that's okay. Um, I am primarily an introvert as I think of 
probably a lot of people are in ministry. Um, and so my self-care is a lot of reading alone time and not mm. reading ministry books, but like reading for fun yeah. or reading um, for something that has nothing to do with youth ministry. Okay, And it's also like having two or three friends that I know that I can go to them and say, Hey, this is what happened. Let's laugh at it and mm. like figure it out. And can you help me debrief from that as yeah. well? Um, Do you feel like you always have some of the best stories whenever you have friend time together? Like, are you, are you like, are they always like, Becca, what happened this month? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, with my youth ministry friends, it's always like a one-upmanship of like, okay. no, this happened with no, me. No, 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 this but, happened with me. But I'll be like at dinners or stuff with my friends and they'll tell me something and I'll be like, yeah, that's a little crazy. Here's what happened with me this week. <laughs> here's a lot crazy because here's young people today. Yeah, here's yeah. <laughs> young people today. Like, it's, you know, you can always pull them out. And I feel like sometimes my friends look at me like, I know Becca has a story on that. Um, so it's, that's kind of a fun part of it, I guess. But um, that's good. That's good. Um, okay. So you've been serving for a while in youth ministry. You've been serving a couple different locations, but you are back at a place that is familiar to you. So if you had a time machine, Becca Bybee. And you mm-hmm. went back to your first year of youth ministry, like you're about to get into it. You're about to do the CYMT stuff. Like, what would you tell yourself then that only you could tell you? I have thought about this a lot. And I think the thing that I would tell myself is that 15 year olds do not hold power over you to hurt your feelings. Okay. Um, you know, it's just you're doing relational ministry is at some point social interaction with people where they can say things that upset you or say things that make you hurt in some way. And it's just so helpful for me, or it would have been so helpful for me to go back and say like, Hey, it doesn't matter what they said. Your, your self-worth is not affected by that. Mm. Um, And to say like that also comparison is the thief of joy too. So if you're always looking over your shoulder and saying, well, they're doing it better than I am. Yeah. then you're missing out on a lot of really good and joyful things that are. So those are the two things that I think that I, I would go back and say, Hey, you're probably doing better than you think you are. Well, okay. So it sounds like you've learned along the way a little bit. So maybe mm-hmm. where was that kind of turning point for you? Cause I feel like for a lot of folks in their first couple years of ministry, everybody's opinion like gets to weigh in, right? Like, like maybe they're like, well, but it doesn't matter as much, but like they'll let every 15 year old, 14 year old and parent mm-hmm. of like have a say in their life and ministry. So where for you, did you begin to like start reevaluating or assessing so that not everybody got to weigh in either with the same weight or at, you know, at the same level? Yeah. So I, had this situation with this dad who was like sending me emails about how I should be doing XYZ better and Mm. this or that better. And I remember talking to my mom and my mom being like, why are you letting this guy get to you? Like Mm. he, he is one person and has one voice, but he also does not know like all the things that you are doing. He does not know all of the relationships that you have. He does not know the ins and outs. He just feels like he needs to have control over this in some way. And I remember telling my mom that and being like, oh yeah, he is not one of the like people that I need to please. Mm -hmm. Um, And fundamentally, like one of my 
things that I work on constantly is to not be a people pleaser and say like, no, these are the things that I value and the things that we need to do. Mm. And if I will be happy to talk to you if you're not happy about them, but like, let's, let's actually have a conversation about it. Let's not, I'm not here as a service industry to say, oh yes, I could do this for you. Please let me do this for you. Okay. Um, Where do you have some things in place, like in, in official capacities or like, like personal policies related to that? Or like, what are some safeguards and like guardrails for you? Um, first of all, I never send an email back to someone that like could be a phone call conversation if it's okay. difficult. Okay. Cause I think that a lot of times you the lose email something. Is the, <laughs> the email is the enemy. And it's really easy for me to be like, well, that person is doing this and I just am going to disregard everything because yeah. of whatever criticism but when you hear someone's voice or see someone in person and you you get a better understanding of what is going on and they get a better understanding of you as well Mm. um and it's just a lot easier to diffuse feelings or emotions or conflict yeah kind of voice to voice not text Um, text (laughs) not text to text not text to text and this is a difficult thing to do with teenagers too is that like to sit down and work out our conflict and to yeah. not have, I had, I had ninth graders get into like a terrible argument via Snapchat on a trip recently. And I was like, we're not playing this game. We can't right, do this. Okay. We need to like actually sit down and have these conversations. You had them like hash it out in person. Yes. Okay. Cause I was like, they were, the boys weren't talking to the girls and it was just making my life more difficult. Um, and so I was like, we're going to sit down. Like, here's some food. Here, Here's a table. We're going to sit down and talk it out. Um, it. Just because, you know, we're not super great at conflict just in general. And holy conflict, we have no idea what to do with. So we were going to work it out. I love that the introvert in you is like welcoming and inviting. Like, listen, we're going we're gonna to settle this. We're going to squash this. We're not going to let this just like run its course uh, via via social media like if we're here in this van together we're gonna pull it over and we're gonna figure it out <laughs> we're gonna figure this out i like it um I like it. yeah and that has just been from experience of like things blowing up because we because they've been left too long or something mm-hmm. like that so it's just you know get it out no that's good bring it to the light well, okay, so uh, helpful, and I think for some of us that let things go on too long, uh, challenging, uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to say <laughs> that I often wait and see uh, for some things because I don't always know yeah. um, how, to, how to play out some of the interpersonal drama, uh, which is, I, I think, helpful and practical, Becca. It is, it is. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. Like, I have a list in my journal of three hard conversations that I've been putting off that I okay. need to have. Oh, so you're like, you're just, like writing them down. You're like, I need to get to these. Okay. Oh yeah. Because if I don't like, if I don't make them intentional and also like pray over them as well, then they'll just never be done ever. Okay. And there'll okay. be awkward tension for the rest of my life. Well, maybe <laughs> say more about that. So my last question for you is like, what's a practical thing that you do or you've downloaded or that's like a part of your ministry practice. Um, that you would want to share with with other people because this makes youth ministry better for you. Is, is some of that like journaling and keeping those things in front oh, of you? Oh yeah. Or okay. So I have I do one notebook for every year, one like kind of moleskin notebook for every year that has just all of the stuff that I could need in like it. January. It has January, my, like um, I typically do 
August to August. Okay. okay. Just because so that that's is like that school year of ministry in that. Mm-hmm. And, and is it just ministry related stuff or is it personal stuff too? It is. I do. Um, I do. I probably shouldn't, but I have personal stuff in there as okay. well. Just because it's super handy to like, if I need to write down a prayer or if I yeah. need to journal out some like thoughts or like if I'm in a meeting and I have a lot of feelings about one thing and I need to write it down, yeah. like it's right there. Um, I also write all of my talks in it okay. for that. And I make lists of things to do. It has calendars in it. It has list of people I need to talk to. It is kind of my one-stop shop okay. for, and it's it like goes with me. artifact of that year. Okay. It is the artifact of that year. And I think there's kind of something beautiful about that. Cause if I go back in 10 years, I can say, well, here's what I was doing on this mm. week. And, and here's my prayers from that year. And here are the things that my students were struggling with for that year that I wrote down enough to, to think about and to pray about. Um, and it goes with me everywhere. And if it's like, if I ever don't know where it is, I am freaking out because it has <laughs> everything book. in yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. My book is gone. Um, <laughs> recently, I accidentally left it in our contemporary worship space, and all of all of our people were like, "We know this means a lot to you," so we brought it back to you oh, immediately when we found it. it. Oh, that's good. They, they quested it. and they returned it. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Um, but I just find it so helpful to have everything in one spot too, okay. like that is portable. And not necessarily digital, because if it's digital, it's kind of, like, easier to ignore somehow for me. Okay. Um, Like, if I get a notification on my phone about something, I'm like, okay, like, I can do that. But if I write it down, then it's, like, in my brain forever. Yeah. So, and I'm not perfect at it. Uh, It is a process that I am working on. But it's just, I mean... It's just a great place to vomit all of your brain stuff down and then like work with it. I love it. Well, well, Becca, one more for you and um, I apologize, just a little bit off script. Uh, So so this kind of month we're talking about stuff related to summer. Like, so we've we've made the turn past Easter and we're coming upon Mm -hmm. May, June, July for stuff. Like, what are you working on right now? What are you thinking about when you, when you get into kind of summer mode for youth ministry, uh, what, what, what are the things that are in front of you? What are the things that are like, these are the most important, like where, where does your mind and philosophy kind of shift when we go like post Easter into like summertime stuff? Um, the things that are really important to me for the summer, I think are obviously trips because they are relational time. And I think that our kids grow closer to God so tangibly on trips, but also we do kind of grade-specific weekly meetings for our students that are not just Bible studies, but are more creative kind of things. Um, Like our our middle school boys do a basketball and service thing every year where they get together and play basketball. And then like every other week they, so it's basketball and then service basketball and then service. Um, And they love that. And, but the thing that I'm most excited about this summer is, there is a nonprofit in Huntsville called the 2911 Project, which makes these bracelets that go through the. You can use kits to make the bracelets, and they're they're made by local women who are learning how to have jobs for the first time and figuring that out. And our girls are going to make these bracelets and sell them, and then they themselves are going to get to decide where the money goes. So okay. they get to figure out where they want the proceeds for this to go to. Do they want it to go to 
this or this or this. And we're kind of teaching some philanthropic giving Very cool. in our context, which I think is going to be awesome. So not just the big um, trips, but maybe even the change of pace from like the routine programming to give us oh, absolutely kind of arc or narrative for what the ministry looks like in the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. It's a, I mean, it's a great time. It's an exhausting time, but it's so worth it at the end of the day, I think. Hey, one more to put at the tail end of that next mm-hmm. artifact, right? Like to finish the book yeah. off. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what it is. By that time, the, the book is very full yes, of things yeah. too. <laughs> Uh, well, Becca, thank you so much for being on the show today. If folks wanted to catch up with you more or uh, maybe did swap tips about journaling uh, or, or moleskins, uh, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you either online or email? Um, my email address is becca.bybe at trinityhsv.org. And you can follow me on Twitter, though I'm not like super active, on at rlbybe. Okay. The R-L by me. I love it. The R-I-B-I-B-E-E instead of the B-I-B-L-E. No, that's good. There's, there's, very close. There's it's a kid's song that's almost there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Episode 131 with our new friend, Becca Bybee. I hope you enjoyed her interview, her insight, and her thoughts on what's next in this new season of ministry. Are you taking note? Good. You need to get that journal write it down, hold on to it for next year. Remember, planning, preparation, and evaluation, friends. We hope you're doing well and enjoying this Prep Into Summer series. If you get a chance and you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. And if you send us a copy of the review or tweet a screenshot to us, we'll send you a pin because we think it's a win and we're thankful for your time and your encouragement. I hope that you've been encouraged this week too. And until next time, upside down and I'm going to show you things you've never seen